we certainly thank the Lord for our praise team, for their faithfulness in providing inspirational music for our worship services. We thank God for each person who is present in the sanctuary and for anyone who may at some later point hear or view this service. We praise God for you. Today I will be speaking from the Old Testament book of the prophet Habakkuk. The book of Habakkuk. I'll give you a chance to find it. The Bible does have a table of contents. Thank God for that. I'll give you a few minutes. It's in the Old Testament. It's toward the end. It's right after Nahum. Does that help? H A B A K K U K. Back. Right after Nahum. Does that help? Right before Zephaniah. Does that help? Habakkuk. I'm reading from the New International Translation, the NIV. Habakkuk, chapter 1, verses 1, and I'm going to read the first four verses. The prophecy that Habakkuk, the prophet, received. How long, Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. I had to struggle to try to figure out how to preach from the book of Habakkuk. Out of all the books in the Bible, and there are many, there are books of prophecy, there are books of the Gospels, there are the Psalms, the Proverbs, there's the apocalyptic book of Daniel and Revelation. But I have never seen a book quite like Habakkuk. It's different. And I ask the Lord to help me to be true to your word. Help me not to misrepresent your word. And so today's message is entitled, How Long? And the subtitle is, Trusting God When You Don't Get It. Trusting God When You Just Don't Get It. The book of Habakkuk. is a book written by a prophet named Habakkuk. 
We don't know anything much about him. And I say him, he could be a her. We don't know. There's very little biographical information about Habakkuk. There's nothing in the book itself that will give you a clue as to who this person is. But whoever he or she is, and I'm just going to say he for lack of getting into a lot of speculation. I'm just going to say he. This prophetic book is in the Bible. And the Bible said that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and profitable for doctrine and so forth. So there's something in this book that God wants us to know. And it's contained in these few chapters. And there are not that many verses or chapters in the book of Habakkuk. Only three chapters. And when you look at it, it's a a, a, a monologue or you may or maybe a dialogue. Habakkuk speaks and God speaks. Habakkuk speaks, God speaks. And that's all there is. Many of the books that we call the books of the prophets is when the prophet speaks to people about God. Prophet Isaiah warns people about their sins. He tells people about God's anger and God's wrath. But he also tells them about God's love and God's mercy. But in the book of Habakkuk, it's different. The book of Habakkuk is not about a prophet talking to people about God. It's about a prophet talking to God about people. See the difference. And this prophet said, how long, Lord, must I call for help, but you don't listen? The prophet is talking to God. He said, God, I've been talking to you, but you won't listen. And how long am I going to have to do this? Can you believe that? How long? How long am I going to cry to you about violence and you don't save? This prophet is confused. He didn't understand how man that's been found guilty of all counts can announce he's running for president. And the Justice Department said, well, we're going to stop the investigation so we won't look like we don't do it. How long? The said, how long, Lord? Am I going to call you for help and you don't listen? Cry out to you about violence and you don't save. Read this morning there was a mass shooting, I think in was it Colorado? Colorado? I mean, I'm not advocating 
mass shooters against anybody. Even if their lifestyle is wrong, I still don't think it's right. It's not right. But how long? That you vowed this school shoot. They stay telling us more and more about it. People standing around looking while children are calling 911. How long? He said, Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? The prophet is talking to God about himself. Lord, what kind of God are you? You allow these things to happen. How long? It's in the Bible. God didn't keep it from being recorded. How long? He said, destruction and violence are before me. And there's strife and conflict abounds. The law is paralyzed. He said, the law means nothing. Justice never prevails. Wicked him in the righteous so that justice is perverted. That's the way Habakkuk feels. And so he opens up his prophecy by saying those things. But notice, if you will, God is such a gentleman. God let him talk. God didn't interrupt him. He let him speak. And you and I can speak. God will listen. He wanted to know how long. Because he couldn't understand it. He couldn't get it. And after a period, God said, after he finished, then God spoke. Verse 5 and following. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed for I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. So God said, Habakkuk, I'm going to do something. Yeah, that's it. In my time. That's the key. In my time. Yes, yes. But even if I were to tell you what I was going to do, you wouldn't believe me. So I'm not going to even tell you. I'm raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honor. He said, I'm going to raise up a hated nation. I'm going to raise up an evil nation, a nation that invades other countries. For no reason at all. Taking land that doesn't belong to them. I'm going to do that. Their horses are swifter than leopards. Fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen 
come from afar. They fly like an eagle swooping to devour. They all come intent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. They mock kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at all forfeited cities by building earthen ramps that capture them. Then they sweep past like the wind and go on. Guilty people whose own strength is their God. God said, I'm going to take an evil, wicked nation. And I'm going to use them. Yes, sir. How's a backer like you and me? He didn't get that. He couldn't understand that. That doesn't seem like God. It doesn't seem like God cares. Every day you hear how Russia is just killing people in Ukraine. And we're watching it on TV. Every day. Not even to mention you valid. Not to mention the, the school shootings. Yeah. Not to mention all of the corruption that we see. Habakkuk said, how long, Lord? I don't get it. I don't understand, Lord. God let him talk some more. In verse 12, Habakkuk starts again. He says, Lord, are you not from everlasting, my God, the Holy One? You will never die. You, Lord, have, appeared, have appointed them to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? You made people like the fish in the sea, like the sea creatures that have no ruler. The wicked foe pulls all of them up with hooks. He catches them in his net. He gathers them up in his dragnet and so rejoices and is glad. Habakkuk is confused. Yeah. He said, God, this is not who you are. You're God. You can stop this. You can put an end to this. Why are you doing this, Lord? I don't get it. Verse 15, therefore he sacrifices to his net and burns incense to his dragnet. For by his net he lives in luxury and enjoys the choicest food. And he, he, he to keep on emptying his net destroys nations without mercy. Then I, Habakkuk said, what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna stand at my watch station, myself on the ramparts. I'm going to look to see what he will say to me 
and what answer I'm going to give to this complaint. So her back is, I'm going to sit down, top of my mountain. I want to see what you're going to do. I'm tired, boy. I'm tired. Tired of begging you. I'm just going to sit down and see what you're going to do. <laughs> and then in verse 2, God speaks again. The Lord replied. He says, write down the revelation. The King James says, write the vision. Here's what I'm going to do. Write it down. <laughs> and make it plain on the tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. There it is again. In my time. I'm not asleep, Habakkuk. I'm not unaware of what's going on. I'm going to respond in my time. He said, it speaks of the end and it will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and it will not delay. God said, I'm going to do something. And I'm not going to be late. <laughs> I'm not going to be forced to do it. I'm going to do it on my own time. So the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright. But the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. Indeed, wine betrays him. He is arrogant and never at rest because he's as greedy as the grave and like death is never satisfied. He gathers to himself all the nations and takes captive all the people. He's describing this evil nation that he's going to use. They're just going to go around annexing other countries. They're just going to go around taking other folks' land. He will not all, he said, will not all of them taught him with ridicule and scorn, saying, woe to him who piles up stolen goods and makes himself wealthy by extortion. How long must this go on? He's answering, he's answering Habakkuk. Will not your creditors suddenly arrive? Will they not wake up and make you tremble? Then you will become their prey. Because you have plundered many nations, the peoples who are left will plunder you. For you have shed human blood. You have destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. Woe to him who builds his house by unjust gain, setting his nest on high to escape the clutches of ruin. God is saying, I'm in control. I know what's going on. I'm in control. I can't cover the whole book of Habakkuk. My goal today was just to acquaint you with this book. And maybe you'll go home and read it across the week. And pray as you read, asking God to give you understanding. Asking God to give you the truth of his word. And then... In the last verses, and again, I'm, I'm not really covering the whole book. I know I haven't. There's a lot more to be said.
But in the end, in the end, here's what Habakkuk said in verses 17 and following of chapter 3. Keep in mind, there's a lot more in there. I haven't covered it all, right? In the end, Habakkuk says in verse 17, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crops fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. And that's how he ends it. Between chapter 1 and chapter 3, God was able to show Habakkuk that even though you don't get it, even though it seems like I'm doing nothing, I'm still in control. I'm in charge. I'm allowing this old wicked nation to do these things. I'm using that wicked nation. But guess what? I'm going to resolve it in my time. Write it down. Tell your people this. So we have the prophet talking to God about people. He's talking to God about the situation that he sees. And my prayer today is that we will talk to God about people. What it is, we need to talk to God about people. We need to talk to God and ask him why these pews are empty. We need to talk to God in the church. He'll listen. He'll listen. He'll let Habakkuk talk. He'll listen. And in his time. He said you through. He didn't even say you through. He waited until he finished. And then he told him. Write it down. Here's what I'm going to do. We can talk to God yes, about our situation. Yes, sir. There's some of us today, yes, sir. sickness in our bodies. Yes, sir. We can talk to God about it. Yeah. I went to the pulmonary doctor the other day. They asked me how, how long does it take me to get out of breath? Mm-hmm. They're looking at me like something. Don't you understand how sick you are? You stop taking this medicine? Who told you to do that? <laughs> and Ward had the nerve to turn the computer around and show me that. Do you see this stuff in the law? Yeah. And you stop taking the medicine. All right, How long? That's what Habakkuk wanted to know. 
How long, Lord? But between chapter 1 and chapter 3, God convinced him that I'm in control. Even though we don't get it. Even though we don't understand. Even though it doesn't make sense. We've got great singing. And I'm going to go ahead and say, we got some good preaching too. You can say what you want to say by being fed. You are being fed. We got a nice edifice. Say what you want to say. Got faithful workers. How long? You can fail to God. Yeah, yes, sir. did. Habakkuk said, I'm gonna sit down and wait and see what you're gonna do. And God said, You sit right there and I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm in control. God is in control. How long? How long? In God's time. This is the message for today. How long? Trust in God. We don't get it. Somebody here today that doesn't get it. You don't understand. Doesn't seem fair. Doesn't seem right. Doesn't seem like God would allow such to happen. But God said he's in control. He's not asleep. In his time, he will do what he alone can do. God bless you. This is our message. We have an invitation of song. Maybe there's someone here today, like Habakkuk, want to know how long. How long, Lord? How long am I going to suffer like this? How long, Lord God, am I going to be abused like this? How long am I going to be scandalized like this? How long, oh Lord, am I going to stand here in an empty sanctuary <laughs> and sing my heart out? How long? How long? Trust in God when you don't get it. But he came to the conclusion he said, even if I don't have no food on my table, <laughs> if my cupboards are bare, I'm paraphrasing. Don't have any cow in my stall. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to keep believing him because God is a sovereign God. We have an invitational song. The doors of the church are open. <laughs> God that you can talk to. You can let him know how you feel. You can get an audience with him. You can vent with God. He'll let you. How long?
this was Habakkuk's conclusion. church. Pray for our world. I believe that we can all relate to Habakkuk. Sometimes we look at what's going on and we don't understand it. We don't get it. It doesn't seem right. It seems so unfair. But God said in my time I'm not asleep. I know what's going on. I'm going to deal with this injustice. And so Habakkuk just concluded that he's going to rejoice in the Lord. He said he's going to rejoice. He's going to be joyful because God has not abandoned him. Our message today, bitter and sweet, God is good. But the subtitle Judgment Day is coming. God is good. But Judgment Day is coming. The book of the prophet Nahum. I would ask for a show of hands of how many of you have read the book of Nahum. It's similar to Habakkuk. It's part of a collection of books known as the minor prophets. Now the word minor prophets or the title or designation could be misleading. It might make you think that these books are not important. 
But that's not what is meant by minor prophets. And again, these titles, these designations, these groupings were given to these writings uh, by, by man. Who are the minor prophets? Well, the word, the term minor prophets means that these 12 writers, their writings were shorter than Isaiah, Jeremiah, the prophets that you probably know more about. But their writings are not less important. They are referred to as the minor prophets in that they only wrote maybe one book. It's probably a very short, two or three chapters, a few verses. Probably doesn't get a lot of attention in churches today. But yet these minor prophets had a major message. And we'll see that as we examine the book of the prophet Nahum. Who were these 12 minor prophets? Well, one was named Hosea. You've heard of him, I'm sure. He was told by God to marry a prostitute named Gomer. He was to stay with her regardless to her unfaithfulness. She kept having babies, but they weren't his. But he stayed with her. And God wanted Nahum to understand how he felt and how he feels when his people are unfaithful to him. And so he allowed Hosea to experience that so that he could get an understanding of how God feels. The other of the minor prophets was a prophet by the name of Joel. We don't have a lot of information about Joel. He seemed to have had one message, the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord is coming. His name is not even mentioned anymore except in one place in the Bible. It's only mentioned in the Old Testament that one time in the title of his book. But Peter says in Acts chapter 2 that this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. He's talking about the coming of the Lord. Then there was a prophet by the name of Amos. I like Amos was a country preacher. He was uneducated as we would call it. And he said, uh, I wasn't no preacher. and I, My daddy wasn't a preacher. I was a herdsman in Tekoa. I was a farmer. But God took me. And God told me to tell you to hear the word of God. That's all the message he had. He had one little short book. And he let him know that he didn't get his message from God. Then there was Obadiah. His name means servant or worshiper. Obadiah's message was that God is sovereign. That God is a God of retribution. God gets even. 
That's kind of bitter, isn't it? God will get you. Then there's a book of Jonah. Interestingly, Jonah is a book that's not so much about prophecies as much as it is about the prophet. God told Jonah to go to Nineveh and preach. But Jonah said, I'm not going. You know why Jonah didn't want to go? Because he knew that God was a God of compassion. If I go and tell these folk, you're going to destroy them and they repent, you're not going to do it. And then I'm going to look bad. And so Jonah went in a different direction because he did finally preach, finally the message. And the people of Nineveh repented. And God forgave them. That's bitter and sweet. But the book of Nahum is like Jonah part two. It's a sequel. You've heard of sequels. You see them on TV. They'll have a movie will come out and a few years later they'll have a second edition of it. A sequel. Mm -hmm. sequel. Follow-up. The book of Nahum is a follow-up to the book of Jonah. Yeah. Jonah preached to Nineveh reluctantly. And Nineveh turned from their sin and God forgave them. That's the sweet. But about 150 years later, they turned from God again. And so God sent another prophet a prophet by the name of Nahum. And even though when you read it, you might think that Nahum's message is bitter, but I would propose that it is both bitter and sweet. Bitter and sweet. Look at how he begins. The burden, King James, this is the new King James. Some translations say the oracle. Some translations say the vision, the message, the revelation. This is what God placed in Nahum's heart. God is jealous. How would you like to receive a message that starts out, God is jealous. He's avenged. He's furious. He will take vengeance on his adversaries. And he reserves wrath for his enemies. Those are the first words that none of us heard. God is angry. God is furious. Don't play with me. And then he says, and he didn't say but. The reason he didn't say but is because both of these things are true. God is a jealous God. Thou shalt have no other God before me. He didn't make any excuses. He said, well, you can have another God if you want to. No, he didn't. You shall have. Notice now, there's no but. But the next line, the next verse, 
Nahum says, the Lord is slow to anger and great in power. That's encouraging, isn't it? God doesn't get angry quick. Takes a lot to make him angry. But then her Nahum says he will not at all. What does not at all sound like? Not at all. When you say not at all, what does that mean? Never. Under no, no circumstances. There is no way in the world God will acquit. What does the word acquit mean? Declare not guilty. God, there's no way in the world that God will allow a guilty person to go unpunished. Wow. That's bitter and sweet. He has his way in the whirlwind and in the storm. God will send a tornado and wipe out a whole city. He'll send an earthquake and kill 50,000 people. He will not at all. He rebukes the sea and makes it dry. He dries up, yeah, he does that. He dries up rivers. The mountains quake before him. Who can stand before his indignation? That's what Nahum's message is to Nineveh. Don't play with God. Then he comes back in verse 7 and says, The Lord is good. He's a stronghold in the day of trouble. And the Lord knows those who trust in him. You see the bittersweet? He's a furious God against sin. But he's slow to anger. He's full of mercy. He's a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who trust in him. You say, well, how in the world do you balance this message? What is the message then? Well, the message is that God sent Jonah to Nineveh. He sent him to say to Nineveh, repent. Turn from your sins. If you don't, I'm going to destroy you. And I'm giving you 40 days to get it right. That's why Nahum said God is good. He's good because he never, ever strikes without giving a warning. He's good. He told Adam and Eve, you can eat from every tree in the garden. But this one. The day you eat from that tree, you're going to surely die. He's good. 
from that tree right there, if you eat, you're going to die. And he said, surely die. You say, well, how, what makes them good? He never strikes without giving you a warning. So he told them. Another reason that God is good is even before he strikes, he's slow to carry it out. Adam and Eve, I keep going back to them, had sinned. They had violated God's commandments. They ate from the tree that he said you shouldn't eat from. And God said, the day you eat from that tree, you're going to surely die. And guess what God did? He didn't kill them. He gave them a chance. He didn't come while the apple or whatever the fruit was still in his mouth. No, he didn't do that. He didn't come running. He didn't come with a stick. He waited until the cool of the evening. He waited until Adam and Eve had calmed down. How much could we learn from God? We're so quick, some of us, to react when somebody does us wrong. We want to get them right then and there. But God's not like that. He told him, if you eat from this tree, the same day you eat from that tree, you're going to die. But then, when they did, he took his time. He came slowly. He gave him a chance. Adam, where are you? Gave him a chance to get it right. That's the kind of God we serve. A God who is slow to anger. And even when he is, he always warns you before he strikes you. He's warning America. Every day he's sending warnings. But Nahum says he's furious. He's an avenging God. And he will in no way acquit the wicked. But then Nahum says also in verse 7, he's a stronghold in the day of trouble. The idea of a stronghold, God is a refuge. He's a place that you can run to when you get in trouble. When you find yourself overwhelmed with circumstances and situations that are just unbearable, you can run to him. His arms are always open. That's why the message is entitled, The Lord is Good. He's good because even though he's slow to anger, he always warns you before he strikes. And even before he strikes, 
He always takes his time and gives you a chance and me a chance to repent. So what happened in the book of Jonah was Nineveh heard and Nineveh repented. And since they repented, God didn't do what he said he would do. He forgave them. Isn't the Lord good? But then, 150 years later, they forgot what none of what Jonah had said. They forgot all that had happened, how God had graciously spared their lives. And so he sends Nahum, the prophet. But this time, the message is bittersweet. Nahum reminds Nineveh. God's jealous. Now the word jealous doesn't mean what you and I sometimes think it means. When we say we're jealous, that means I don't want nobody to have nothing that belongs to me. As though who you think you are. God doesn't have any reason to be afraid of somebody taking anything that's his. <laughs> the earth is the Lord's. The fullness thereof, the world and data, there's nothing that we have that's not his. And there's nothing we can take from him. So his jealousy doesn't mean that. The word jealous means God cares for his people. Nahum said the Lord knows those who trust in him. He knows us. And so what this prophecy is all about is Nahum is balancing his message. God is furious. God is angry. God is not someone to be played with. Don't count his patience as weakness. Paul wrote in the New Testament, don't you know that the goodness of God leads to repentance? When I was in seminary, someone asked the question, it may have been me, I don't know who it was, but they asked, why does God, a good God, allow bad things to happen to good people? From an earthly standpoint, the way we think, that sounds like a fair question. If God is good, why he allow bad things to happen? But the professor said something I never forget. A better question is why does God allow bad people to live? <laughs> why does God allow us to wake up? When he said that the soul that sins shall surely die. Why does God give us chance after chance after chance? Because he's good. The psalmist said, oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endures to all generations. God is good. 
He's patient. He's slow to anger. He's slow to anger also because God knows his power. God knows that all he has to do is say the word and the earth will be destroyed. All he has to do is step back. And what can we do? He's in control of himself. He's furious. He's an avenger. But he's that way toward those who will not heed his word. If we turn from our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us. Paul said in one of his writings that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. I saw the dead, great and small, John said in the book of Revelation, standing before God. Paul said every one of us must give an account of the deeds done in our body, whether they be good or whether they be evil. How do you balance this? Well, if God will not at all acquit the wicked, that means that everybody, whoever did anything wrong, is going to be punished. And that's true. But what we fail to understand is that in Christ, our punishment was administered to him. The punishment that we deserve was given to him. Isaiah says he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. In other words, the punishment that we deserve it was carried out. It was carried out in Jesus. He bore our sins. He took our punishment. He became our substitute. No, God did not acquit the sinner. He carried out his wrath. That's why Jesus said, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? We have no real imagination of the agony that Christ went through for us. So the message of Nahum then is that God is good. He's a stronghold. You can call on him. You can run to him when you're in trouble. You can ask him to forgive you and he will. But if you don't, if you don't heed his word, if you refuse to accept his outstretched arms, there is no possibility of him ever forgiving you. Bitter and sweet, God is good, but judgment day is coming. You say, well, still not good. It is good, and I had to think about it. It's good to know that those who do wrong are going to be punished. Isn't that good news? Isn't it good to know that all of those things that we bear down here that are unfair, that are unjust, 
Wrongdoers will not get away. But those who repent, those who turn from sin, he will welcome them. That's good news too. That's good news because all of us are guilty. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. But if we turn to him in true repentance, he will forgive us. This is the message today from the book of the prophet Nahum, a sequel to the book of Nineveh. The same God that forgave Nineveh when they confessed and repented is the same one who destroyed them when they turned back. Don't turn back. Give your heart to Christ. The Lord is good, but judgment day is coming. Slow to anger, plenteous in mercy. He's slow to anger. That's why he allows us to live. That's why we're still breathing. Jeremiah said, great is your faithfulness. <laughs> it's by his mercy that we're not consumed. If God were not good, we wouldn't be here. If God were not good, we wouldn't have awakened this morning. That's the message. God is good. The judgment day is coming. Bitter and sweet. Table. He says, come now, let us reason together, said the Lord. Though your sin be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. He's a reasonable God. You can come to him. You can explain your situation to him. The Bible also says he knows our frame. He knows we're weak. He's good. What a wonderful God we serve. judgment he's good even when he's pouring out his wrath he's good what a great God we serve that's the message of the 
prophet Nahum that God is good even when we don't understand it. He's a stronghold in the day of trouble. This is the message for today that God is good. Even when we don't understand what he's doing, he's good. He's good even when he executes judgment. He's still good. He does not turn back from his word. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. Nineveh repented after the preaching of Jonah and God forgave them. But those same people in the succeeding generations, they've turned their backs on God. I look at our world, I look at our nation, and I see God doing the same thing. He's warning us. He's sending messenger after messenger and message after message to let us know that he's not pleased. He's not pleased with the way we're living. He's not pleased with our state of affairs. He's telling us. He's warning us. He's slow to anger. But don't make any mistakes about it. God will judge. He will judge sin. He will judge the nations. 
He will avenge. He will. 